Welcome to Gather, what's next? This is your 15 minute insight into the minds of some interesting, diverse and inspiring people that are doing things within the golf industry and have an innovative perspective on what the future can look like. We kick off all these conversations with just two questions. In their view, what's next for golf in their sector of the industry? And secondly, a gather elephant in the room question where we ask about a challenging topic or a difficult question that's often talked about within the golf industry, but we know that nobody actually wants to deal with it. Hello, and in this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Amir Malik. Amir founded the Muslim Golf Association, MGA for short, in the UK in 2020, which is aimed at being the world's first dedicated golfing platform that caters for the modern professional Muslim male and female golfer. I urge you to check out their website, but also try and connect with Amir. There could be great collaboration opportunities for you, but without doubt, there will also be inspiration and some fascinating insights that can help you, your golf club, organization, even a governing body or business within the golf industry. And I really love this post from Amir where he explained that the vision for the MGA has always been to break down stereotypes, increase diversity, and through sport at least, show that the ball, the course, or the club doesn't discriminate, it's the people that do, and it's time that we changed. Ignorance is no longer an excuse. With information and the world at our fingertips, education is needed more than ever. However, the best way of learning has always been by asking questions, engage, interact, and understand your neighbor. Ultimately, we're all human and inquisitive by nature. In work and play, there are no silly questions. People just want sincerity. Great post. But what I love the most about Amir's story is that he wasn't even a golfer seven years ago. He's since fallen in love with the game, learned to play at a local municipal course where, interestingly, he's found the best customer service compared with many private clubs. And then in 2020, he launched the MGA and they're now running a tour. He talks about being ignorant to many of golf's traditions, and I really love this. This is a huge strength in trying to achieve his vision with the MGA. And... This is a huge opportunity for us that work in the industry to learn something critical, and that is his observations as a relative newcomer to the sport, compared with many of us who work in the industry, and we've been fortunate enough to be playing the game for a long time. It's a fresh new perspective. It's filled with energy, passion, and enthusiasm. From one chat, I could see why Amir and the MG have been featured already in the BBC, Guardian, National Club Golfer, and even in mainstream media in the US. In your view, what's next for the golf industry in terms of participation versus how we actually engage people? So we talk a lot about participation programs and there's a lot of initiatives, but in Gather, we've been talking a lot about is it participation we need to solve or is it engagement that we need to solve? What's your thoughts? Yeah, that's a great question. It's almost chicken and egg scenario, right? For me, I think engagement will naturally lead to participation. I think you need to engage. And just from the small exercises that I've been involved in, I'm trying to concentrate on engaging my audience and that will naturally lead them to participate in future events or or, or even coaching programs. So I think engagement is massive and it's how you package 
it, it, it's classic marketing, right? Um, for me, there's nothing wrong in the game of golf. The, the, the game in its pure sense does not need to be altered or changed at, at all to an extent. If we took the game as it is, it's the way it's delivered. It's the way it's, it's portrayed. And it's the way that the messages that come out of the golf industry, that's what needs to change. And, and that's what we're trying to be doing with the MGA especially on the women's side and and from again from a very small pool of research that i've done with 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 both men and women golf is seen to be played by white rich middle-class men and and i use the analogy it's white male pale stale and and that's the problem with it and it needs to change and if we don't change that message we will constantly drive people away so the engagement has to be right I mean, that, that kind of leads on to our second question. So we talk about elephant in the room topics and questions and challenges in the golf industry here in Gather, and we want to bring them to the table. If the Muslim Golf Association was scaled up and yep. more organizations in the golf industry, more governing bodies and, and more businesses and more people collaborated, would that make a difference? And will you ever see that on the scale that you are, your vision is hoping for due to politics that you've encountered so far? What's your thoughts? I think collaboration is the key to any success, especially if you want to scale. No no man, no business can do it alone. You know, you, yeah, and, and that's a, a tough lesson I have had to learn because I'm a bit of a control freak and, and, you know, I try to do everything myself, but you have to let go and you have to trust others. And, and there are much better people out there than me that will be able to deliver things much better than I could, but you've got to be able to trust and work with them. And I think human nature tells you that you'll always get let down, but you've got to be able to bounce back and, and you know, carry on. You know, and I don't think people mean it in, in, in the worst things, but politically, egos get in the way massively, you know, and you've got to always remember yourself why you got into it and why you're doing anything and remind yourself of that and be around people who will constantly remind you of that. And I think that will then lead to success. But collaboration is a big part. You know, I've got plans to expand and scale this globally. Um, I'm, I want to go into new markets. Now, I can't be arrogant enough to say that it's going to work the same way that it does in the UK. Cultures are different. Traditions are different. You have to respect that. And there's no better people to, to know that than the people who are on the ground in, and are living in those communities and in those environments. And you have to embrace that. Because if you don't, then it's almost, you know, there's this arrogance of I know or my way is the best way and it's going to be and that will fall flat. And, and without getting too philosophical and looking back in history, you know, too many countries and powers that be have tried it and failed. We've got to embrace and respect other peoples and, and there's loads of room for adaption, you know, in, in that sort of scenario. So, yeah, so my, my collaboration is a big, big part of what we want to do and you know that's what i'm looking for is looking for partners and like-minded people that's the key thing yeah and when we had our first conversation amir you were keen to uh, let me know that there was a lot of people who have actually been very supportive of what you're doing so there is a flip side to the yeah. coin as well but there is not surprisingly and many people talk about this there's quite a lot of things that you've encountered as someone who was actually this is what why we love talking to people like you because you weren't really you weren't a golfer seven years ago. No. So seven years ago, you took up the game and you came in from outside of the industry, and now you're running a, a you know an organization, a participation organization that, that runs tour events, and it's like you've basically encountered the backwards traditional 
challenges and issues that many people talk about are creating barriers into the game. Yeah. And one of the things that you mentioned the other day when we spoke was that the industry has got it, you know, as a, as a new person's perspective, you think the industry's got it wrong in many ways. And one of the things he highlighted was customer service. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The industry is about customer service, and yet it seems to be bottom of the priority list. That some of the best services that you've received were actually at public golf courses, which I oh. found, found really interesting. Yeah, listen, this is a service industry. Let, let's make no two ways about it, right? You you are appealing to people to come and pay their hard-earned cash to come and experience your facility and and to use it, and and then to potentially return. Yet, and, and this is, uh, again, look, I'm very new and, and, and ignorant in this industry, but I, I look at the PGA and, and you know, because in, in order to be a pro and to be a golf club manager or whatever, you've got to go through the PGA qualification and so on. And it baffles me that these people are not taught customer service. And why that's not included in the curriculum is probably the biggest mistake these guys have made when they're putting together that sort of, you know, I, I guess agenda or curriculum itself, because ultimately if it's a three-year university degree, you know, if it was a business degree, you would realize that your customer is key and, and it's got to be centered around it. Yet these people aren't taught how to deal with humans and how to treat people with respect. And, and it doesn't matter whether you're running a municipal course or whether you've got a private members course, whatever, you know, if you treat people with respect and care and take your time back, just like any other retail outlet, you will always have and go back and you will build a loyalty thing. And for me, it really astounded me that I'm going and you'd expect, you know, if you if you go to a hotel, that the better quality of hotel you go to, the better level of service you expect. Right. And it's the reverse for me in the golf industry. The better facility you go to, the the, the, the poorer the customer service, especially from a golf professionals and the people running the club. You know, I find there's a, a big sense of arrogance. You do not belong here. What are you doing? And unless you're some sort of big wig that's known, you know, I just think you're very much disregarded. And it's fascinating to see that as an outsider. And as, as I mentioned to you the other day, Colin, is I, I, we went to, I, I finished my event in Manchester at Worsley Park and we were itching to play another round and we couldn't get on at Worsley because it was full of members. So we just found the nearest thing and the earliest tee off time was a municipal course at 6.30 or six o'clock in the morning. It was £12 a round. I'll have to dig up the name. And we we turned up. We didn't have a clue what we were expecting. It was a derelict car park. But as soon as we walked into the, the clubhouse, and you could tell it was a municipal course, we were greeted with the most wonderful smile from this lady who looked like she'd spent, I don't know, you know, she was just bright as a button. We got free coffee. We got a slice of cake. And just the warmest welcome saying, you know what, guys, if I could get you a buggy, I would. But here's a trolley. Go out, have some fun. And if you, you know, halfway hot, come and see us again. But just such a warm welcome at that time in the morning. And that's and I remember that. And that was three, four months ago. And I will go back. And the course just played wonderfully. But it just sets you up, right? That if you encounter anything that isn't great on the course or whatever, you know, you've already started on a great foot. And I just thought if this woman was to be working at any other golf course, mate, she would have members eating out, out of her hands. And, you know, and, and for me, that's just it's we've got to go back to it. You know, customer service is a big one. Make 
people feel special they will then tell others and before you know it people want to come and visit your course but unfortunately you don't get that and the only time i've ever seen it is probably at resort courses because they have to because if you upset a hotel guest boy you're going to get it but when you're an independent club you've got no one to report to there's no one to answer to right so that's that's my limited experience brilliant to hear those and definitely dig the name out of that, of that club because i think we should um, we, 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 We'll, we'll add that in at the end. That was really good and a brilliant experience to hear. And um, the final thing we'd love to ask you about is what's some advice from you, from your experiences coming in, you know, new to the game six years ago, then setting up the MGA, now having a sort of tour where you're, you're approaching golf clubs and, and taking your members around different places. What are some advice and learnings that members could potentially apply? And I'm going to be a bit cheeky here because there's actually a couple of areas that I would love to touch on here. Sure. What are your learnings so far around the impact you've managed to have with the money that you've spent, which is very little? And secondly, what I love is one of the things that you've done since the beginning, and it's clear on your website and it's clear in the first chat that we have. You basically said, for us to be able to go to a course or a venue, there's three things that are really important to us. And you're, that's it's almost like your value, values of right. the MGA. Tell us a little bit about them and tell us how that has helped and has it hindered in getting any of the venues that you're... So, so what have you learned from sort of approaching people and telling them that these are the three things that actually matter? I, I think I've been very fortunate enough. And, and again, my religion has really inspired me in this is that you, you need values. Values is what makes people, people without values don't really stand for anything, you know, and if you're always going to sway with the wind then you'll never have an opinion. And, and, you know, I just don't think, you know, there's much that you could do in society or in life. Right. And, and, and you have to be shaped by your values and values change over time. Of course they do. And so for me, you know, part of the inspiration of setting up the MGA was that I was encountering that I, I, I almost felt that you had to conform to the way that golf is played and seen and portrayed in order to be part of it. And I love this game too much to think, no, I'm not going to sacrifice my values as much as I love golf to do that. But hold on a minute. Let's take a step back. Who does golf belong to? No one. You know, it's a universal sport. And do, do the values I stand for, does it contradict what golf teaches? Absolutely not. So it should be able to go hand in hand. And, and what are they? It's the fact of I don't drink. I think the problems that alcohol causes in society are far greater than what it gives. So that's why, you know, I don't drink and my religion teaches me that. Um, I, I, I pray five times a day and considering the game takes sometimes up to four and in my case is five hours. Um, you know, there will be times when a prayer comes into it. You know, my prayer doesn't cause any inconvenience to anyone. And as long as I don't slow the game down, I should be free to be able to conduct that because it's a very private affair. And thirdly, we don't gamble. And again, the vices that gambling bring, it brings more harm than good. And it's a big part of the culture. And so those are the only three things that I abide by. But there's everything else that, you know, the game I love and it gives me great joy. And I just thought there are too many people I have seen that have ended up having to probably bend their own whims and values just to fit in because that's the done thing and that shouldn't be the case. And, you know, we're living in the 21st century where people have an opinion, people should be heard and it should be diverse and we should be respected. And at no point do I ever say, or will the association ever say that you need to be Muslim to attend. We just say, if you can respect these values, anyone and everyone is welcome. You know, it's 
called the Muslim Gulf Association for a particular reason, but not because you have to be a Muslim. And so now coming and taking that to golf courses, I appreciate alcohol is a revenue, a big revenue for some clubs. But at the same time, you know, I'm bringing 70 to 90 people to your golf course who will spend money in your pro shop, who will buy and I'll take all your buggy fleet. And we will also decorate the course so it looks like a tour event. So I think we'll be able to give far more than many other associations would do in, in, in that side of things. I hate being called a society because we're not. We're, we are more than that. And that's my biggest bugbear. But it's also the fact of, you know, I want to partner with golf clubs to say, actually, they have invited the MGA or they're part of the MGA because they embrace diversity. When I'm calling up golf clubs, um, again, it goes back to customer services and, and just how it's dealing. I'm astounded how many people turn me away because they just think we can't accommodate your number. Oh, you, you, you've chosen the wrong day of the week to hold this event on. And I'm thinking, really? OK, that's that's fair enough. And I, 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 and coming back to the other problem is food. right? Oh, my God, the lack of diversity in the menus is incredible. Right. Uh, you could pick. 50 menus and, and we you could try this as an exercise from all the private clubs and i promise you they look exactly the same it's exactly and i'm thinking with all due respect my members as much as they would appreciate english food will get bored of it by the third event they want some culture i'm thinking why do caribbean i whatever right look at your local community and in sort of embrace that so i'm now looking to organize events i want to change the menu and i'm just finding it's going to be so difficult. And, and look, don't get me wrong, they will be able to bring in halal meat, but it would be just changed. And I'm just like, wow, you guys are so doing, I put a curry on the menu as an example, and again, just stereotype, right? But it'd be, it's so different. It's a, and I'm sure the chefs would appreciate cooking something a little bit different as well. So, you know, I, I, I've said it all along, this industry is so ripe for change. I would love to run a golf club and just modernize it and just show what it could look like because the potential is so, so huge. We still respect the values and the traditions, but I think if the industry carries on doing what it's doing, eventually this, this generation will soon pass away. Who's left behind to carry on? They're not going to have too many members left. And, you know, sadly the, the game of golf will depreciate and, and it will just fall by the wayside. And, you know, and if someone like myself doesn't do anything about it, then I've got to only hold myself accountable when I'm 60, 70 and my son doesn't want to play, you know, I'd feel like a failure. Yeah, powerful. That leads on to the other point, which, again, you made a statement to me the other day and you said, like, look, you know, in a, in a very um, modest way, you said what we've been able to achieve, you really on your own, had been able to achieve on a shoestring budget so far it makes you think what a massive potential and what opportunities there are for other organizations and businesses within the golf industry that have access to more funds. Oh, 100%. 100%. The, the, the biggest issue is funding. Unfortunately, good things cost money. Well, not even good things, but to do something, you need to be backed. The, the, my biggest preventer, it has been money in the sense of what we want to do and what we want to try to achieve. I'm very lucky. I had some great sponsors in Reed Foundation, the Michael Page Group, Syngenta, and, and, and ultimately, I invested a lot of money myself, but I look at the industry, it's very affluent, it's very wealthy. And I think there's so much more the big manufacturers could do and the big wigs in the golfing industry to give back 
to society and this probably goes back to your original question about participation and engagement it's a case of listen we need to start at grassroots every one of us fell in love with golf on the golf course when you hit that ball and you had that sensation and something went inside you and you thought wow this is really powerful and we need to go back and remind ourselves that you know people don't fall in love with golf in the driving range they fall in love when they go out and play courses and they're with their friends and they're just having a good laugh and municipal golf and, and counter-run golf courses are going to be the bloodline to sustaining this and that's where the investment needs to take place not at the private clubs because they'll have the money but it's so exclusive and it's almost a case of a graduation if, if you think about the fact that if you start where the barrier of entry is extremely low and what do I mean by that I'm talking reduced costs I'm talking forget dress code who cares what you look like right on the golf course just come and play couldn't care what you look like and clubs okay you're not going to go out and buy a set of clubs so why shouldn't golf clubs just have a set of pretty decent secondhand clubs that are available to hire at a fraction of the price go out give it to people they will enjoy playing they'll look after it they'll come back get them out there, get them out enjoying it. And what will happen is that once you've done that a few times, you start thinking, oh, I like this. Okay, through my personal the better you get at this game, you know, you might actually, you know what, it's now time for me to graduate from this setting and let's go to somewhere where they start taking golf a little bit more seriously. But by then you would have learned the rules, the etiquettes, the mannerisms and what everything else. And so you're not an alien member when you join those places and 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 and, and it, you just progress right and even through life you will you know you might get a better job you get have more access to money or whatever it may be and so you will naturally progress but the key thing is is reminding people where it started from and 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 that's where the heartbeat is that's where the biggest investment i think from the pga the rna the biggest golf manufacturers need to get involved and i just think you're missing such a big trick because if you start off with a callaway club or a titleist club i promise you you're more likely going to stay with that brand through your golfing journey yeah love all of that thank you in closing then we know that there's a lot of people that work in the golf industry and that love the game of golf who are really passionate about creating or bringing in creative ideas and and trying to launch new things you've done that one of the statements you made earlier on was I'm a bit ignorant to that. That's a good thing. The, the number of people that say I'm naive to this or I'm ignorant to the, to the way things are meant to be is exactly what we need more of in the golf industry because that's what creates the disruption sure. and people asking like, why would you do yeah. it that way? There's got to be another way. So if other people are listening to this and thinking, okay, so there's a guy that's come in and spotted a real opportunity and you've done it as a need, but now yes. as you've started, you realize, wow, what a huge opportunity this could be not just for you and for your members and for Muslims around the world that might be thinking, wow, that kind of inspires me to get in the game, but it should be a real opportunity for governing bodies and partners and sponsors and everyone to look at what you're doing. So what would be one key takeaway if there's someone sitting there listening and going, okay, in a short space of time, I can see what Amir's done. I've got a creative idea somewhere else, but I don't really know how to start or or whether this industry is going to allow me to be creative and start it. You know what, I've... (laughs) In, I, so I'm a, I'm a recruiter by trade. And so, you know, I've got an entrepreneurial spirit at heart. But yeah, for 15 years, I never I never ventured out and did my own business, right? There was always a bit of nervousness. There's that scare of uncertainty. And if I was going to start a business in anything, it should have been in recruitment because it's what I know. I've doing for 15 years, you know, and, and funny enough, I backed myself in another scenario and it worked well. But I, my, my biggest advice to anyone is don't be scared. Just just do it. And and and. And who knows? I mean, I always had an ambition, but from what I've 
achieved in a very short space of time is astronomical. Never in a million years did I think we'd be featured by the BBC, The Guardian, Washington Post. But the, the hard part is just starting. You know, every time I launch an event, I'm always nervous of, is it going to sell out? Is it not? And, and until you do it, you'll never know. But in, unless people do it, you'll never know and you'll never and you you just won't and my, again looking back at it is I, I i'm not the most successful businessman i'm not the most successful events organizer or golfer but the difference between me and someone else is i just did it so if you have something if you've spotted a niche or you've got a desire or you've you've spotted a gap i would just say have good people around you who will support you because it will get difficult, but just, just do it. Just literally go out and do it. And if you fail, so what? It will just make you stronger, but at least you can look back and say, I tried. Love it. Brilliant. Amir, thank you so much for your time. No, uh, pleasure inspirational in such a short chat, but I'm sure there's going to be more to come from you for the gather community in the future. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you for the platform and thank you for your time and effort. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm.